0: is 9 16 a.m pacific daylight time it is the first day of november we're done with october we're done we've got two months two months left till 2024 and then four months after that the bitcoin having happens what happened yesterday bitcoin white paper day aka halloween what is today today is the very first day of dia de los muertos day of the dead and that extends till tomorrow so october 31st celebration of death by basically pagan cultures the christian cultures kind of picked it up uh in in various formats It doesn't really matter whether you're Buddhist or Greek Orthodox, Christian, Roman Catholic, I, you know, like atheist or pagan, if you're still doing that kind of stuff. Humans celebrate death. And I know that sounds terrible. It's a terrible way to start the season of thanksgiving that begins with you know november and thanksgiving itself and then we go on into christmas but how better to be thankful for what it is that we have what it is that we possess whether it's a physical possession like a car that gets you to work or your mental aptitude to be able to understand things right these are all gifts that we should be thankful for how better to be thankful truly for these things than to start the entire season off by appreciating the concept of death. We're not here for very long, y'all. We have a uh, we're, we're like a passing shadow in a day when it comes to eternity, right? And I that's this should not bum your ass out. In fact, death is a hell of a motivator. It really is. But when people celebrate death, it's you know it's not a death cult. We're not. We're not praising death. We're not wanting people to die. What we're looking for is change. That's what this season is all about. This is the season of death. It starts with Halloween. It goes to Dia de de los Muertos, which is a two-day thing, mostly in Latin America. But all over the world, human cultures have not only understood And knew that they needed to understand death. We've come to celebrate it. When we have a funeral, it's not for the dead guy. It's for the people that are living. We celebrate their life, but the funeral is not for the dead guy. The funeral is for everybody sitting in the pews at the funeral. We acknowledge death. We need death in our life because it's the greatest contrast you'll ever have. You're either alive or you are dead. It's either black or white. There's either light or shadow. It's all these contrasts that, that start happening around this time of year. And they go through Thanksgiving. And they go into Christmas. I don't really give a shit about New Year's Day, but some people do. Whatever. And then we start the whole thing over again. Right? I personally have come to really appreciate Dia de los Muertos. You know, we'll have an, You know, we we'll put up the ofrenda. We'll put pictures of our past loved ones up. We'll set an empty, you know, actually not an empty plate. We'll set out a full meal, you know, for my dad. Representative of all the other people that we've lost. I'm not going to set out, if I were to set out a full meal for all the people that I've lost in my life, uh, that'd be a banquet. and I am not going to waste that much food, but I am going to definitely put out a plate. You know, that's one of the things that you do is, is you invite them. You invite the dead to your table to eat with you and your family. And you just, depending on how you look at it, they are really either there or you're just paying your respects. And that's either one's okay. But I want to, I just wanted to like start thinking about this because In this season of change, we also celebrate what should be one of the greatest things ever. That's the dropping of the Bitcoin white paper on Halloween, October 31st, 2008. Now, I've got a piece here from Bitcoin Magazine written by Shinobi entitled, Bitcoin's 15 Years of Evolution and a Look Beyond the Original White Paper. But before we read it, I want to imbue the fact that the way that I'm thinking about <clears throat> why it is Satoshi Nakamoto decided of all days to drop something as impactful as the Bitcoin white paper onto the world's population on Halloween. I've always wondered about why that day. That It could have been Thanksgiving. It could have been Christmas. Hey, here's your Christmas present. Uh, it could have been just some day of a week. Right? Some non- like, I don't know, maybe even President's Day when, you, hey, it's Bitcoin, you know, mattress sale. Yay! It, whatever. No, no. There was a, vi- I think there was a very specific reason why October 31st, 2008 was picked as the date for dropping the white paper. And I think it has something to do with change. Because if you've ever had a tarot reading, you, I know it's, oh, you're gonna go occult on do Dude, zip up your panties, okay? Chill out. The tarot deck doesn't mean that, right? It's not a cult. It's not evil. It's not, you know, siding with the devil. I don't know where the hell any of this shit came from. Because if you've ever played a hand of poker, you owe that entire game to the tarot deck. Yes, you do. It's that ancient. That's what was the progenitor of the card. Card games that we have today. The tarot deck, ancient. This thing is ancient. One of the cards is the death card. And if you pull that card, if that card is laid down and you're reading, most people shit to bed. It means I'm going to die. No, it absolutely does not mean you're going to die. In fact, that death card actually means change, it is the end of something and the beginning of something else. And I really, I don't know, but I got a real gut feeling that Satoshi Nakamoto dropped the white paper when he did because it was the death of the old legacy financial system and the beginning of something new. Money that was not held in the hands of those who seek to enslave you. And even if, they, even if I'm just being completely hyperbolic there, they may not, maybe they don't want to enslave you, but they don't like you. And even if they don't like you, because that means that they kind of got to know you, they don't give a shit about you. Have you been invited to dinner by the Biden family? No, you have not. Have you ever shook Gary Gensler's hand? No, you haven't. And if you did shake his hand, was it just at a, you know, at a graduation? Doesn't count. No, none of these people have us over for dinner. They don't invite us out to lunch. They don't give a shit about us, right? Personally, I think they seek to enslave us because I think that they're all evil. But the white paper for me represents the death of the world because the world has been run by these ghouls for so long and they have done such unimaginable damage to the human species, the human spirit, the human endeavor, and our future that something huge had to drop to kill it. The world needs to die. And everybody on top of the world knows it in one way or another. It's not the death of everything. It's the beginning of everything else. Let's do this one from Shinobi writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Today is 15 years from the date of the publication of the Bitcoin white paper. A lot has happened in that 15 years. Bitcoin went through the block-size war. A nation-state has adopted Bitcoin. We are possibly on the verge of a Bitcoin ETF approval. Bitcoin, in almost every way, is nothing, nothing like it was described in the original white paper all those years ago. The network has grown. It has changed. It's evolved. On a social level, an economic level, and a technical level, it's a completely different animal than it was all those many years ago. I feel like on this day, every year, People tend to focus on Bitcoin as it was all the way back in 2008. People get nostalgic about the basic design with no mention of mining pools or ASICs or second-layer protocols. This year, I wanted to do something different than wax poetic about Section 10 on privacy or Section 4 on proof of work. In 15 years, more development has occurred on Bitcoin than one person can easily keep track of. There's been a good number of white papers over that time period since the original white paper itself. So why do we keep focusing just on the one original white paper every year on this day? In just the last year alone, out of the past 15, five major white papers have been released that could completely change how people interact with Bitcoin. Bitcoin itself just continuing to exist as it is right now is a massive and world-changing achievement, but that is not enough to create the world that many of us want to see. Bitcoin cannot yet meet the scale and functionality to serve the entire world in the way it serves people using it currently. There's a lot of work left to do, a lot of problems yet to solve, and a lot of white papers to write. Let's look at some of the big papers written in just the last year looking to solve some of Bitcoin's outstanding shortcomings. The BITVM, aka BitVM, released on October the 9th, 2023, just this month. Well, okay, October, last month. But BitVM completely shattered the notion of what Bitcoin is or is not capable of. Robin Linus of ZeroSync published a paper describing an off-chain scheme for using arbitrary computation to secure the conditional transfer of Bitcoin against said computation. The core value of Robin's proposal is that it requires zero changes to the Bitcoin protocol to accomplish. There are two novel insights that contribute to the idea of being viable. First is that it is possible to create a NAND logic gate using existing Bitcoin script in a way that validates on the stack that the NAND operation is in fact done correctly. For example, if a user provides zero and one as inputs to the script and if the output that they provide is anything but a one, the script will actually fail execution because the NAND operation is invalid. The second insight is that hash locks can be used to commit to which inputs a user wants to provide to a computation in an irrevocable way. A user commits to input bits by revealing one or two pre-images corresponding to a one or a zero, after which a user cannot change the committed inputs as revealing both pre-images to any one logic key will allow the other user to submit a penalty transaction and claim all of their funds. From this point, it is simply a matter of running the computation off-chain, and if one party tries to lie or withhold output, the other one can simply challenge them on-chain. From here, the challenging party either claims money after a time lock or after the other user reveals both pre-images trying to cheat. This design allows for an incentivized off-chain computation to secure Bitcoin with the guarantee that eventually things will settle correctly on-chain, even if it takes a long series of transactions to back the dishonest user into the corner of either revealing both pre-images to be penalized or giving up and letting the other user claim after a time lock. BitVM has completely changed the degree to which Bitcoin is programmable without needing any change to the Bitcoin protocol itself. Timeout trees. On September the 8th of 2023, John Law posted his paper, Scaling Lightning with Simple Covenants, to the Lightning dev mailing list. In the paper, he described a concept he called a timeout tree as a solution to scaling the channel creation and closure for casual Lightning users. One of the most well-known scaling limitations of the Lightning network is the number of users that can open or close channels with any given block. This presents a large challenge to onboarding users onto the network in the long term. Once someone has a Lightning channel, it can be used to their heart's content off-chain, but there is only so much block space available every 10 minutes for new users to open channels. Even the original Lightning whitepaper calculated that if each of the 7 billion people on Earth only opened two channels per year, Bitcoin would require 133 megabyte blocks in order to onboard the entire world to Lightning. This is not an unknown or recently discovered limitation. It was always known. Timeout trees present an alternative solution to the block size increase. The basic concept is that an LSP, a Lightning Service Provider, can utilize Check Template Verify to batch open channels to a very large group of users in a single UTXO, but with a catch, all of these channels expire. And if they haven't been un- sorry, excuse me, unilaterally closed, or at least the funding transaction actually confirmed on chain, instead of being left committed by the Check Template Verify, by the end of the expiry, the LSP can sweep all of the funds in the group of channels. This also allows very efficient channel opening footprints, potentially thousands of channels, all opened with a single UTXO and in the cooperative case, a very efficient closing footprint with all users simply routing funds over the Lightning Network from the expiring timeout tree to a new one off-chain and letting the LSP sweep the old tree after the expiry. Timeout trees... Are an incredibly simple idea that offer a huge degree of flexibility in overcoming one of Lightning's largest known limitations. And now we have ARC, another second layer proposal that was released by Barack Caselli on May 22, 2023. <coughs> ARC offers an entirely new layer 2 design proposal attempting to overcome some of the limitations of the Lightning network. It's very similar conceptually to a channel factory, but the key difference is how it is used. A channel factory hosts a conventional lightning channel that can be used repeatedly to send and receive an ARC, uh, sorry, an ARC factory, hold on, (laughs) good Lord. A channel factory hosts a conventional lightning channel that can be used to repeatedly Send and receive an ARC factory allows users to control an off chain UTXO that can only be sent in its entirety a single time, like a cash note. Users spend their off chain UTXO by automatically linking it to the creation of a new off chain UTXO in a new ARC to transfer that UTXO. New ARCs are created regularly to allow users to transfer coins in a rotation scheme from old ARC. To new ARC. This is accomplished using something called an ATLC. In the transfer scheme, the ARC service provider, ASP, which is analogous to an LSP, is fronting the liquidity to facilitate transfers. When an existing ARC off chain UTXO is spent, the transaction spending it to the ASP in compensation for fronting liquidity to the receiver is signed using an input from the new ARC in which the receiver is gaining control over the funds. This guarantees that if the new ARC where the receiver is getting money never confirms, the ASP cannot claim the sender's money. ARC is like a cash system with no liquidity constraints requiring a specific user to have receiving capacity ahead of time to be able to spend money. But because of this, it has a much higher liquidity cost than a traditional LSP. This might however be worth the higher overhead for the service provider in exchange for providing a more cash-like user experience. Zero Sync. On May the 12th, 2023, Robin Linus published the Zero Sync proposal to the Bitcoin dev mailing list. The scheme is an entirely application-side zero-knowledge proof system for bootstrapping a Bitcoin node, composed of three separate proofs. Zero Sync has the potential To enable trustless bootstrapping of a new Bitcoin node without having to actually download and process the entire historical blockchain. The first of the three proofs covers the validity of block headers, headers in the blockchain, providing a succinct proof on the order of kilobytes that the difficulty requirement for each block header is successfully met. The second proof validates the UTXO set at each block height by using UTreeXO, a prior proposal to allow nodes to validate blocks without having the entire UTXO set. Lastly, the final proof will actually provide a guarantee that all historical signatures and other witness data in the blockchain are valid. Together, these three proofs would allow a node To simply download the current UTXO set in addition to a small proof at the most a few kilobytes in size and instantly having a fully trustless and validating node running. This will completely change the cost of users fully validating the system when interacting with Bitcoin. CivKit. Remember CivKit? On May first, 2023, Antoine Riard posted the CivKit a peer-to-peer electronic market system white paper written in collaboration with Nicholas Gregory and Ray Youssef to the Bitcoin dev mailing list. CivKit proposed a decentralized marketplace for trading everything from fiat currency for Bitcoin to goods and services built on top of the Nostr protocol. Because of the dependence on Nostr and how that protocol works, every user of CivKit would inherently possess an identity key to authorize messages posted on the marketplace as well as form part of a reputational system. In combination with locked funds on the blockchain constituting a bond, market board operators can establish bond requirement policies to allow users to post offers for orders. With the basis for a reputational system, a resilient broadcast and communication mechanism, and Bitcoin itself as the basis for escrow contracts for trades, CivKit has the potential to be a powerhouse protocol facilitating peer-to-peer economic activity using Bitcoin as a means of exchange. One of the most important axioms long-term for Bitcoin's success is its use as a means of exchange in a circular economy. Without this peer-to-peer monetization, it risks falling victim to the trappings of regulatory capture. CivKit could be a framework and foundation to prevent that outcome. So here's to the next 15 years. These are not even all of the proposals that have been released just this year. Some floating around aren't even formal white papers, but this is a small taste of the massive progress that has happened in the Bitcoin ecosystem in just the last year. There is still everything that happened the year before that and the year before that, not to mention going back another 14 years. People love to talk about how Bitcoin isn't going anywhere or doing anything interesting or that no technical development occurs and it is a stagnating and dying coin. After going through just some of the big proposals in only the last year, does Bitcoin seem like a stagnant and dying project to you? Should we just give up, pack it all in and go home? After 15 years of time, hard work on the part of many and the numerous Possible avenues to explore to continue improving and extending this project. Does it feel dead to you? It doesn't to me. Me either, Shinobi. It does. It, it has not felt dead in forever. <coughs> These five proposals. Was it five? I think it was five. One, two, three, four, and five. Yes. Those five proposals by themselves are all huge. I don't think a single one of them actually requires a change to Bitcoin's core protocol. Pretty sure it doesn't. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think so. Yet these five, and like Shinobi said, I think that there has been fifteen of them. Uh, see, well, maybe not fifteen papers, but there's been there has been a lot of papers written. And nobody sits down and writes one of these white papers without a damn good idea of how to get it implemented. That's why they write the white paper in the first place. You know, I mean, excluding the the shit coinery white papers, don't worry about those. That's all just scam, scamatics. But these things, these are, these are dyed in the wool, true, academic thought processes that if they come to Bitcoin and some of them will, some of them won't, you know, I don't know if arc is actually ever going to happen, but I don't know if bit VM is actually going to happen. It depends on the tenacity of the people that want to actually get it in there. We will have to see the whole point is we are in a continuous state of change. What does that actually mean? Well, if you were listening to the first part of the show, it means that we are in a constant state of death. We are constantly dying. That's one of the reasons why people can't handle Bitcoin. It's like dying a little bit every day, but not in a bad way. They, people think of death always as the bad thing, and it's not. We are but a moat on the ass of humanity, and we are not here for long. We're in a constant state of flux. We're in a constant state of change. By definition, we are living in a constant state of death. It is the ultimate of contrasts. Now, a Bitcoin ETF. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? Matt DeSalvo from Decrypt. A Bitcoin exchange traded fund is on the way to Wall Street, if market prognosticators are to be believed, and this will be great for the crypto industry. That's not as universally believed as recent price rallies might suggest. <clears throat> Analysts from CryptoQuant crypto said that the approval of such a product will mean institutions flood the space with cash, in turn, leading the price of Bitcoin to rocket. This may or may not be true. Others, like Hayden Hughes, co-founder of social trading platform Alpha Impact, who spoke to Bloomberg, have posited that the approval of a Bitcoin ETF has already been priced in, meaning there's a low chance the price will sustain any massive gains. But even if the market cap and price of Bitcoin goes through the roof and the entire crypto industry thrives, will it be a good thing? Privacy-focused Bitcoiners have even said that such a product goes against Everything the Bitcoin stands for. Experts like those at NIM Technologies and Wasabi Wallet previously told Decrypt that Wall Street's interest in the cryptocurrency could lead governments to strong-arm crypto users into restriction penalties or taxes. The reasoning is that lawmakers are already cracking down on the crypto industry and are increasingly focused on anti-money laundering procedures as seen with major crypto brands like Coinbase and Binance. Others have argued that with Wall Street titans barging in on the market, the cryptocurrency will become more centralized and correlated with traditional stocks. Bitcoiners have been waiting and hoping for years that the coin would decouple from securities. Bob Bodley, CEO of Ordinal's marketplace, Bionic, told Decrypt that a Bitcoin ETF could ruin Bitcoin's original censorship-resistant promise. <laughs> I don't think so Quote, the worry with a Bitcoin ETF is that we'll have so much Bitcoin locked up in ETFs that now we have compromised the original vision for Bitcoin, where we have tons of Bitcoin in ETFs that are highly correlated to stocks, behave like stocks, that people buy and sell them like stocks. And in the large majority of cases, we're going to have central custodian ownership. Bodily was referring to Bitcoin's quality of allowing anyone to use the network and make transactions without getting shut down by government or authority. The idea is that anyone who can download Bitcoin wallet software, run a node, and complete transactions can do so without being stopped. And typically, it's hard to stop that. But if Bitcoin ETFs on the Wall Street and centralized custodians become normal, And perhaps the only known way for people to get exposure to Bitcoin, users could eventually get banned from the network. Nope. I got it. That's not how this works. Quote, As long as you can self-custody, then you can be a unique individual participant in the Bitcoin network added bottling. If Bitcoin ETFs become the only legal way to access Bitcoin, and self-custody is illegal like gold back in the 70s, then this would compromise Bitcoin's core value proposition because people couldn't legally self-custody their assets. End quote. Craig Raw, developer of the Bitcoin Sparrow wallet, added that privacy and profits don't always go hand in hand. While the cypherpunks, advocates who want social change via cryptographic tools, want people to have private interactions, institutions care about their bottom line. Quote, sometimes these goals will align, sometimes they will not. Raw said, quote, what is key to the cypherpunks is that individuals can continue to find privacy in the tools regardless of institutional adoption, he explained. Such tools already exist in the Bitcoin and wider crypto world. There are apps like CoinJoin, which people use to obfuscate Bitcoin transactions. There are already tensions between privacy advocates in the crypto world and authorities, Feds last year banned U.S. citizens from using the Tornado Cash app, a coin mixer, which allows users to make private transactions on the Ethereum network. America's biggest crypto exchange, Coinbase, then slammed the government's reasoning for doing so and has since funded a lawsuit against the Treasury Department. The idea that traditional finance entering the crypto world isn't necessarily good is not new. Custodia Bank CEO Caitlin Long said all the way back in 2018, that while such a product could be good for the industry, the financialization of the crypto world could be bad if it leads to too much liquidity from leveraged traders wanting quick, short-term gains entering the market. This, in turn, could push long-term hodlers to resist it simply by keeping their coins away from the financial system. Analysts right now say that, for better or worse, it's now just a matter of time before a Bitcoin ETF hits Wall Street. J.P. Morgan has even said it could happen before Christmas. The product is likely to lead a ton of money flooding into the space, but will Bitcoin keep its original qualities? Oh, never end. Oh, God. Come on, Matt. Never, 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 never end (laughs) an article with a question. You got to answer the question. Even Shinobi knew that. He almost ended with a question, but then he actually answered it. He said, does it feel dead to you? It doesn't to me. See, that's the way you end an article. I'm sorry, that's just the editor in me coming out, but I just hate it when people end articles on question marks. Now, bullshit. A lot of this actually is pure fucking conjecture. And I'm going to tell you why right here. The approval of a Bitcoin ETF has already been priced in. Bullshit. We don't know what's been priced in. We don't know what hasn't been priced in. We know nothing. We've been we're 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 going to go into what our the fourth having let's see the fifth having something like that the fifth, yeah we'll we'll go into the fifth epoch right here sometime April of next year somewhere around there fifth epoch three point one two five Bitcoin generated per block as a subsidy All right. have we ever successfully known if we've priced in. The having something we know is going to happen, and we know the exact block that it's going to happen on. We can't even price in that. The Bitcoin ETF has not been priced in, right? Nobody knows what the hell's been priced in. And this other thing, I mean, I, I will concede that, that there's a, at least one point where short-term traders... Just have all this liquidity in Bitcoin, and all, but all they're really doing with that liquidity is actually trading it back and forth. And then at one point or another, the circular economy, for whatever reason, can't happen because of that. I disagree with that part of that argument. Circular economy can happen with, there, there's been conjecture that the world's economy could run on a single United States dollar if it's divisible enough. Because honestly, the unit is kind of arbitrary. It's how many fungible units that represent that one unit, that $1 or $10 trillion or $500 trillion. It's all arbitrary numbers at this point. As long as everybody can get access to a bit of that, then a circular economy can happen. But I'm not going to poo-poo the idea that traders can really, you know, screw everything up back and forth on liquidity in short-term trades. Now, what what was the there was one other thing in here. Let's see if I can find it. And it was towards the bottom. Uh and I probably am not going to be able to find it again. Uh Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it. But I just honestly I think this is <clears throat> we're we're just so used to reacting poorly to Any amount of FUD. Like this whole recycling network attack on Lightning and everybody just lost their shit about it. I mean, I've seen my forwarding on my Lightning node almost plummet to a standstill ever since that news broke. Dude, no, come on. Stop it. Is an ETF good for Bitcoin? I don't know. Is it bad for Bitcoin? I still don't know. Nobody knows anything until it actually occurs was gold ETF good for gold? In a way it was, but then it capped it, but it capped it at a pretty, pretty high price. I don't, you know, again, that's one of those things where we're just worrying about price. That's not what we should be worried about. We should be worried about other things. We should be worried about elements of change and we should be looking for the death of the world, the end of one thing and the beginning of the other. Like running the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities, I got Earl. It's actually up today point three five percent to eighty-one dollars and thirty-seven cents. That's after a no, actually it's I'm sorry, it's up point four three percent to eighty-one thirty-seven. Brent Norsey is up two-thirds of a point to $85.61. Natural gas is down almost two points, but still coming in hot at $3.50 per 1,000 cubic feet. Um, Gasoline is unchanged at $2.22 a gallon. Gold is down a half. Silver is down a point. Platinum is down 1.6. Copper unchanged. Palladium down 0.41%. Uh, Ag is fully mixed. Biggest winner today is going to be what? Sugar, of course. It's always sugar. Biggest loser is coffee. Damn near 5% down on the day. Uh, Live cattle up scant. Lean hogs down a third. Feeder cattle up almost a half. The Dow is up a quarter. No, the Dow is unchanged. The S&P is up a quarter. The NASDAQ is up a half. And the S&P mini is down a third. Bonds, well, all the yields have come down except for the one-month bond, which eked up to 5.39%. The 30-year bond's chilling out at 4.98%. 20-year bond is at 5.17%. 10-year bond is at 4.81%. And the DXY, the dollar index, is up almost, well, actually almost a full third of a point to 10697 That's 106.97, so it's dollars gaining strength. How, you might ask? I don't know. Everything's too confusing. It's a clown show. I have tickets to it. Apparently, I was given given tickets at birth to this clown show, so I'm going to enjoy my popcorn. Why? Because I have Bitcoin, which is valued at $34,460 right now. Uh, Average transaction value, 0.58 BTC. Median transaction value, 96 bucks. Block times are low, 9 minutes, 10 seconds. Got 0.13 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 20 overall in the last 24 hours. At 2.74% downside on hash rate, we're at 476 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, which indicates what shitcoins are doing, is Dogecoin, and it is down 6.6 United States pennies. We got a $673.4 billion market cap. That is 5.1% of gold's market cap. You can now purchase 17.6 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,530,161.78 of. 5294 of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $182.5 million, being run over 14,545 nodes, sporting 62,771 payment channels that we can see, and 82.2% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Mempools, still full. Well, getting full. Uh, depending on how you look at it, 135 blocks carrying 50,000 transactions waiting to clear. High priority transactions are going to cost you 26 satoshis per V-byte. Low priority is going for 20. And anything under 2.41 satoshis per V-byte is being purged from mempools around the world. mempool.space mining is showing a hash rate of 511.2 exahashes per second. And we did hit an all-time high of hash rate uh, it was either yesterday or the day before. I can't remember when, but it was really high. Like 540 or 560 exahashes per second. It was really, really high. <laughs> and I am nowhere close to the top 10 on Fountain App, but it doesn't matter because I got friends like Letter6173 with a striper boost that says, Sats for value provided. Thank you, bro. Vake with 1,200, clapping hands. Pies with a 1,000 says, Dave... Your rants are probably my favorite part of the show. (laughs) Shit. Let them rip, my brother. God's Death with 370 says, That commercial Maddie chuckle. Thank you, sir. Oh, made me chuckle. Okay, it says Maddie, but I'm sure it's a typo. That commercial made me chuckle. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. PGS with 100 says, Thank you for your content. This is my favorite podcast and always my first pick. When I open Fountain, Botev is one of Bulgaria's oldest football clubs, regular football, not American football. I always call American football as regular football. See, this is this is the thing. This is why this is probably why we have more wars than we need because we keep calling two different fucking games the same goddamn name. It's not good for country relationships. It's not it's not what did General Patton say that Britain and America are two countries separated by a common language yeah, he's not wrong. Jory X McKee with 100 says, happy bitkit paper white day. It's BWPD. I guess that's Bit- happy Bitcoin white paper day. There you go. Pies with 100 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the Weather Report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. And it should be noted that, noted that the Botev football club from Bulgaria has now released yet another note on Noster saying that they accept Bitcoin. That's right. Another football club saying that they accept Bitcoin. Let me say it for a third time. Botev on Noster, which is cool by itself, again on Noster has said, that they accept Bitcoin. Nice. We were talking about death and change. There, here's a story about, well, it's not the story about the guy, but it leads into where we are in Bitcoin. Let's just, let me preface it by saying from MTC uh, on Noster, it says 15 years ago today, Satoshi Nakamoto posted his thesis for monetary reformation to the cypherpunk mailing list exactly 492 years after Martin Luther hammered on the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg. Poetry. Happy Bitcoin White Paper Day. Let me pause to say I completely and always forget that Martin Luther on Halloween Nailed his 96 or 94 theses to the church door. Think about hammering something 500 years ago to an oak door. What are you using? You're using a spike and a massive mallet to drive that son of a bitch in there. These doors are huge, by the way. Nailed it to the church door. Think about the message that that is sending. It's not just the message that's on the paper. He nailed it to the door of the church. That started the Reformation. That was a death. That was a death of the world. It was the death of the grip of the Roman Catholic Church on the world. Right? Before then before the Reformation, man, if you were anywhere near the West, you were a Christian and you were probably Catholic. All right? I, they, just, just, they had everything over you. They had the kings in their pockets. They had the queens in their pockets. It wasn't just that they were bribing them. They were basically saying, do what we say or you're going to go to hell. It's a hell of a way to motivate somebody. That needed to die, and I don't, I don't have anything, I don't really hold anything against the Catholic Church or like any other organization. They're filled with corruption. They're also filled with good people, and they're always at war with each other on the inside of the institution, whether it's a university, a small college, I don't know, a Planned Parenthood, I don't care what it is. If it's an institution at all, there are always warring factions inside of it. I don't have any problems with the Catholic church, except that the bad shit that they've done, but they've also done some good stuff. Okay. But they had a stranglehold on everybody's thought processes back then. And they needed to die. When Martin Luther walked up to the church door and basically quote unquote, knocked on the door with his nineties, some odd theses, that was a hell of a wake up call for the church. And everything changed. Bitcoin Magazine. The Reformation of Money. Bitcoin's White Paper and the Parallels to Martin Luther. Written by Robert Hall. It's that time of the year when when the leaves are changing. The chill of winter is in the air and many of us in the Western world are once again gearing up for the holiday season. Thanksgiving and Christmas are important holidays For many, and one of the best times to gather with family, still, I would argue that one of the most important holidays is only celebrated by 0.01% of the global population. That's right, I'm talking about White Paper Day. It was 15 years ago today that one of the most important documents ever written was released to the world. The importance of this document is akin to Martin Luther, who published his 95 theses in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st, 1517. Satoshi Nakamoto must have been a student of history because there is little chance this was a coincidence and Satoshi must have understood the significance of publishing the white paper on this day. The parallels between the White Paper and the 95 Theses simply can't be ignored. Martin Luther's 95 Theses directly challenged the established moral authority in the teachings of the Catholic Church that were never questioned by the average person in those days due to blind obedience to the powers that be. To the typical citizen back then, the Church had the final say on everything and was never to be questioned. This system worked for a very long time until one day people started asking questions. Such meaningful change to how people see the world, such as what occurred during the Reformation, doesn't happen in a vacuum. There was a series of events that led people to this paradigm shift, this change. The Catholic Church in the 1500s operated more like a government than a religious institution. Popes in those days were in charge of massive bureaucracies that dealt with everything from forging alliances, building armies, and preying on the fears of their congregants to create a corrupt money-making enterprise. Essentially, over the centuries, the Catholic Church diverged from the original mission of spreading the gospel and obeying God's commandments and became more focused on worldly issues of money and power. The same paradigm shift about money and power is occurring right now and is present in the Genesis block quote. The Times, 3rd January 2009, Chancellor on Brink of Second Bailout for Banks is more than an observation of the news. It is a realization that the global monetary system is irreparably broken. Man has proven time and time again over the centuries that when given absolute power over the lives of others, even the most pious and well-meaning among us will become corrupt. It is a fatal flaw in the human condition. The only thing we as humans can do is to mitigate this urge as much as possible. This is what makes the Bitcoin white paper such a profound and essential part of world history. Everybody knows, young and old, that money makes the world go round. This is why most people roll out of bed, head to a job that they hate, to earn little pieces of paper that their governments say has value. People do this because they want the pieces of paper. They want what the pieces of paper represent. These pieces of paper represented time, labor, and desires for goods and services that can benefit their lives. Just like in the days of Martin Luther, The masses were content with the church having all the power. People today are content with governments controlling the money printer, but a few are starting to ask questions and notice things. The surging inflation of the last two years is becoming hard for the average consumer to ignore, and the burgeoning global debt crisis is an intractable problem that central banks can only solve by printing more political currency units thus further devaluing them in a vicious cycle until monetary collapse. The publication of the Bitcoin white paper and the widespread dissemination of this information has shown the world that there is a better way to create money in a way that takes the power and temptation away from our so-called leaders to print new money at will for their own benefit. Bitcoin binds this innate temptation towards corruption in an unbreakable chain of positive incentives, decentralization, transparency, and hard cap supply enabled by the ingenious difficulty adjustment and backed by the world's energy. These features never existed in the barter system, the gold standard, or the fiat system that we are living under right now. Today, we have the opportunity to remake the world with better money that works for everyone and not just the elite. This is a social experiment that has never been tried in human history and is one that we can ill afford not to try. We've seen the results of other types of money. Why not try money that can't be created out of thin air or you know, confiscated by governments? What else do we have to lose? Our backs are against the wall, folks. It's either freedom or tyranny, liberty or death. Which way will humanity go? On this glorious white paper day, choose hope over despair. Stand up to the powers that be, like Martin Luther did so long ago, and change the world with each action you take. Remember, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen, on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. Those words were spoken by Samuel Adams, one of the founding fathers of the United States of America. I'm hoping that it's becoming evident to you that I'm not the only one that's thinking about death in this time of death. Three days of death is the onset to what I call the glorious holiday season, at least in the United States. Thanksgiving is a decidedly American holiday, but many cultures in many countries definitely celebrate two things, the dead and Christmas. You're going to find this theme of death and change throughout many religious texts. It's in our holidays, it's everywhere. It's in our cultures. I mean, Day of the Dead. I used to actually be scared of Day of the Dead because I was like, I was a child. And I mean an actual child, not a mental idiot, right? I mean an actual child, like eight, when I first heard of Dia de los Huertos, and then it kind of got, you know, kind of went away for a little while. I really, I mean, went away so far that I wasn't hearing much about it, but then it came back. And I was still kind of, why the hell would you, I mean, I thought it was a death cult. You know, lots of people call Christianity a death cult. You know, I was thinking of all these people in Latin America throwing marigold leaves on the ground as a path for their dead loved ones to find the door to their house and be able to find their place and have a seat at the table so that they could eat while dead. We got a, but like there's skull candies, you know, skulls that are painted and people paint themselves up like they're dead. Like they're all white because the the color has left their face because the blood has left their body because they're dead. Their heart stopped. It's not pumping blood anywhere. That's why all those people look white. That's why that the day of the dead decorations and people just white and black everywhere. Right? Maybe that's where we got, I don't know, fall colors or marigold and pumpkins. I, whatever. What I'm getting at is that it kind of freaked me out. But now I understand it. And I think it's important to understand that death is not the fucking end. It's not. Sure, I, you could be listening to me right now and say, well, David, I don't believe in God. So therefore, I don't believe in heaven. So therefore, I'm I'm screwed. No, not really, not really. The universe does not work that way. Not God. I didn't say God. Didn't say Jesus. Didn't say Buddha. Even though Buddha's not religious, that's a philosophy. But you get my drift. These people that you know, masses of other people around the world worship as religious deities. I didn't mention any of them. I said the universe, which I know exists. I have factual information that says yes that star out there is burning and i know there's trillions of them hundreds of trillions maybe quadrillions i don't know i don't think anybody actually knows how big the universe is we can conjecture we don't have factual evidence on the exact boundary of the universe not not in any really concrete form got a picture out of hubble At one point or another, you cannot see stars past a whole or galaxies past a whole bunch of other galaxies that would seem to define an edge. But how far out is that? I don't think we actually know. Energy always works in a cycle. If you look at a sine wave, like if you pluck a string on a guitar, vibrations, the transference of energy through a medium always happens as a sine wave. Light, sound, Even heat, because heat, when you feel something warm, you're being bombarded by infrared photons. It's light. Heat is light. You just can't see it, but you can damn well feel it. If you had the gear in your eyeballs that you could see infrared, you'd see it. We don't, but other animals do. Other animals can see the heat signatures of their surroundings at night. They're nocturnal. We're, we're not built that way. We don't hunt at night. My point is, is that energy does not get destroyed nor created. It merely changes form. It dies and becomes something else. Death is not the end. Whether you're a sine wave, a possum, a barn owl, or a human. We just change form because the universe tells me so. I happen to believe in God. I do believe in Jesus. I don't have to pin that shit on you. You don't have to believe me about that. You can trust me when I say that death is not the end. You constitute a massive amount of long-term energy, real energy, measurable energy. When you die, that energy doesn't die. It can't. It goes against every law of physics that we know. We've never seen anybody destroy energy. People have tried. It's impossible. We've never been able to do it. It doesn't make sense for the way the universe works either. That's why it's a law. It's just, its a lo- it's, these are the laws of physics and thermodynamics. You cannot destroy energy. So all the neural energy, the, the electrical impulses that are going around in your brain, do you think that they just, all the energy that you've ever emitted out of your brain, every thought that you have is a connection between these neurons and they all pump out energy. Do you think that they haven't basically propagated a magnetic analog of that out into the universe? And who are you to say that that has died? It doesn't. If I wrap a coil of wire around a nail and I hook that son of a bitch to a battery, the electrons are going to flow in that coil around that nail and what have I done? I've made a magnet. Because by flipping the electrical field 90 degrees, I get a magnetic field. If you think that shit's not happening in your brain, every time you form a thought, you are wrong. I freaked my biology teacher out one day saying, hey, if I've got a bunch of electrons, you know, in the form of calcium ions flowing down a nerve, wouldn't it by definition create a magnetic field? And he's like, I I don't know. And it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not saying that I'm smarter than him. It's just that I don't think people think about that. Every thought that you've ever had has emanated out of your skull into the ether of the universe. Its magnetic waves are energy. It's a form of energy. It's part of the the electromagnetic spectrum. That's why we call it electromagnetic. When you fell in love for the first time, you had thoughts that formed in your head. That was because a whole bunch of different neurons were firing calcium ions down its length and every single one of those, by definition, because of physics, formed a, a magnetic field. That magnetic field combined itself and float and is, is, has propagated. How I, I don't know. I would say at the speed of light, but I don't know what magnetic fields travel at. But I do know that you're out there. You, we are all part of the universe, not just because we're made of the stardust, the same shit that stars are made from and that exploding stars made iron, which is the, in the hemoglobin in our blood, note the thoughts that we've had, the actions that we've taken. Have you ever dropped a log in the forest? Congratulations, you've created you know concussive energy that traveled in waves. It doesn't die. It may get so squelched that we can't detect it, but all those waves are still there. Sure, I'm. I'm sure there's a physicist out there that's laughing at me. I'll, I'll debate your ass. I will. I. I mean, I believe in this so strongly that I would. This will be one of the things that I would actually risk losing my ass on, because I think it's that important that we understand that death is not the end, whether you believe in God or not whether you believe, whether you're a shinto in in you know japan i don't know whether whatever gods you worship in i don't know some far flung country in africa i don't care the universe tells me death is not the end of you it is the change of you though and that's where we are with bitcoin right now and that's why i wanted to read these two pieces this piece about martin luther And its similarities to Bitcoin with him nailing his 95 theses to the church door and Shinobi's piece about all these, these five things that have come up, these five white papers that have come up in the last year alone that represents real substantial potential change to Bitcoin without actually changing Bitcoin. It's all a matter of our perception and how we use a tool. I had no idea that you could use a crescent wrench as as a hammer in a pinch. I don't recommend it, by the way. It's not as good as a hammer, but it can get the job done. Never meant to drive a nail. If you do it right, you can use a crescent wrench to drive a nail because it's heavy, it's made of metal, and it's got a contact point, and you can swing it. It was never meant to be done that way. Never meant to be used that way. We have no idea how Bitcoin is actually meant to be used. We have ideas about it, but we don't have all of the ideas about it. The ideas are coming. The ideas are coming. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. His dad says jokes on this Wednesday. My kids put together a PowerPoint presentation explaining why they should go to the water park. It has several slides. Get it? Ah. Good. Okay. <clears throat> I have a, I had a request from somebody on Noster uh, to put up a song that he convinced his friend named Alicia Stockman to put up a song on Wave Lake to become part of the value-for-value value economy when it comes to music. I'm going to play it for you now. We're going to usher in Christmas with this one, Recipe for a Merry Christmas Eve by Alicia Stockman.
1: Bake, whip up some pecan cookies Like Mom used to make But on a winter roll- Leave powdered sugar fingerprints on the record stand Stir up the fire, pour a cup of mulled wine Oranges and cinnamon and cloves intertwine Go on and let that simmer Watch the lax on tree and the tinsel glimmer
0: You enjoyed today's episode.